You're listening to the PBE Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You don't want to miss any great audio content from the pro baseball experience. Now let's get on with today's show. What is up, guys, and welcome to PBE Family Therapy. My name is Dr. K. And I am Blow Pop, and we are here with our second charity episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did it once in the past for the Season 25 drive, and we are doing another episode for the Season 30 drive. So for the three subjects at hand, shout out, thank you to Phillies Mm -hmm. and Musha and DG for... A, giving us fun topics to talk about, and mm-hmm. B, being willing to give a chunk of change to the Cancer Research Institute. Yeah, and uh, also a shout out to everyone who bidded on uh, on this. So even if you didn't win and donate, you also drove the price up. So it's you true. Sort of, sort of donated, and well, you donated somebody else's money more accurately. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, shout out to everyone who bid, not only for driving prices up and encouraging others to donate more but for also mm-hmm. doing it in a logical way this time because <laughs> yes. last time we had three winning seg- segments that ended up being like five dollars seven dollars and twenty dollars or something right. and the twenty dollar one had a string of people bidding in the teens all right. the way up and it's like you could have just done one of the other two but okay. right right yes yeah. so this was a good very even uh, kind of bidding, which was great. Musha came out strong with a $20 bid and ended up winning out. And I think the others all ended right around 20, which was really great. I think it was 20, 20, 20. Yeah, I think. That sounds right. I think it was around the board. Yep, I think that's correct. So we're super excited to, to talk about these topics, uh, some interesting things to dive into, um, which is uh, which is exciting. It's fun. So I hope you guys enjoy the content that was decided by you well three of you at least three of you and we will start with the topic proposed to us by phillies mm-hmm. uh, we are going to talk about a couple of potential hall of fame candidates that have been heavily associated with the new orleans Rugurus this entire time uh he has also kindly provided us a list of who he thinks might be eligible just so we don't have to make that call yeah um there are five batters at hand that could be inducted according mm-hmm. to Phillies's estimates and two pitchers that might be as well. So the five batters in question are Richie Bonanza, mm-hmm. Paulo DeStefano Jr., Gustav Beauregard, Christopher Brew, and Naz Hamed. And mm-hmm. then the two pitchers that we will discuss are Aiden McDougal and James Pleasance. So this is going to be an interesting topic because these are a lot of players that everyone knows Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these seven are great and shoehorns. Um, but there are a couple of fringe cases as well. So you and I are going to yeah. maybe have to make a decision to leave a player or two or three or who knows how many right. on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And first off, I just want to give a shout out to Blow Pop for doing a lot of the prep work for, for this episode. I've just been quite busy and I appreciate him actually putting spreadsheets together and stuff so that we can have stuff to discuss. So we're not just totally making it up. On, well, we are making it up on the spot, but at least we have some data to make it you know, appear like we yeah. did a lot of planning. We have the skeleton and now it's time to 
put some meat on the bones. Yep, absolutely. So we've got basically the career stats of these players. It's important to note that Richie Bonanza, I believe, is the only one who is retired currently. Um, however, the others are probably not far behind. Yeah, I believe that is the case. Richie Bonanza had 10 total seasons mm-hmm. and threw it in, which is quite like that's about how long you play in this league. Right. Uh, everybody else on the list has at least 11 seasons and is currently still playing unless mm-hmm. I made a mistake looking at the sheets. Right. But uh, I mean, if you last that long, you're on your your final stretch. So. Right. Yep. No, I totally agree. So what we're basically going to do is we're going to be going through each of these players, just looking at their overall career statistics. And then uh, if necessary, just kind of generally comparing them to the hall of famers that are in, uh, in the hall right now, which if, if you don't know, it looks like there are like, I don't know, maybe 20 pitchers and 20 batters, something like that. Somewhere in that general ballpark. Um, And we can, we can compare them to the, to the general stats um, of who's in there just to kind of try and figure out who's getting in and who is not right. Dun, dun, so dun. we'll start with the one player who is for sure retired and we know what their final stat line will look like. And that is, as yep. we already said, Richie Bonanza who had 1,080 games, which wow, big shocker. Yep. Multiple also very of 108. Clean. I love the clean, very clean. clean look. Yep. Yep. Um, 4,000 at-bats, member of the 1,000 hit club, mm-hmm. over 200 doubles, 14 triples, which I don't really have a good reference point for that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, like, good triples totals are supposed to be. Sure. Um, so, I mean, knows? just looking in who's in the hall, the best uh, triples is Johnny Times 2, who has 59, and the worst is Bobby McDonald with 12. Okay, like, so it's in the mix in somewhere in yeah. there, but like triples, triples are like they're a very fun stat because if you, someone gets triples, that's awesome. But if someone yeah. gets no triples, it's like, well, yeah, it's a oh, triple. I mean, you're not going to get a triple. I saw on one of the minor league games today. Fun fact: somebody got two triples and it set the minor league record. Wow. Okay. So, super fun fact. Anyways, continue. Uh, Bonanza is also a member of the 200 Home Run Club. Just barely snuck over 700 RBIs, mm-hmm. has exactly 600 runs. Very clean. A little shy of 400 walks. Um, did not quite get a thousand strikeouts, so good job there. <laughs> uh, and then if we go, av- <laughs> if we go uh, through some of the more number crunchy, not accumulative stats, mm-hmm. batting average is 257. On base is 325, slugging is 467, which means OPS is 792. Mm-hmm. And in that time frame, that's good for an OPS plus of 119 and a yep. WRC plus of 118. So I'm assuming that means basically the park factors didn't do a whole lot to change that or right. something. I don't know. Uh, and in those 10 seasons, Richie Bonanza has accumulated 31.5 war. Yep. So just looking kind of ballpark, obviously impressive numbers. All Everyone on here is impressive. We should actually just get that out of the way. Fantastic careers all across the board. Um, but jumping into kind of more of the, the nitty gritty of it, um, let's maybe start backwards at the, at the end, starting with war and with a 31.5 war, just kind of 
looking over all of the batters would definitely put him within the hall. The lowest war is uh, Elliot Lefebvre at uh, 30.7. So it's towards the bottom half in terms of war, but definitely still there. And then uh, I think it's interesting looking at OPS, which is sitting at 7.92. It puts him a little more firmly in uh, in the hall. So I, I think it makes sense just looking at even just those two. Um, I definitely think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think you could make the argument against him somehow. I don't know what <laughs> the argument would be, but I'm sure people who are around for more of his career might have a better sample size. Sure. I'm also looking at Richie Bonanza with, um, I don't know, purple colored lenses or something. <laughs> yeah. Because when you and I joined, mm -hmm. uh, the first major World Series that we got to watch mm -hmm. was one where the Rougarous ended up winning. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember if Bonanza was like series MVP or something like that, mm. but I'm pretty sure during the World Series, he either hit like a walk-off home run sure. or a go-ahead something late in the game. Sure. So like I remember him being a really crucial part of their championship run. So yeah. like in, my, in my head, that gives him extra points because he's one of the... He's maybe like the first player that I can even vaguely inaccurately mm -hmm. remember doing something on stream sure yeah that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense and even just looking at i mean some of the other stats i don't want to just for all these players i don't want to just look at war and like ops or ops plus um try and get a little bit deeper in and you know kind of try and figure out some of the more um the, the the bigger picture we'll say so even just looking at like home runs had a pretty decent amount of power um in terms of the Hall of Famers um, sitting at uh, just over 200 would put him like like a third of the way up 30, or yeah. something. Yep. So like war OPS, you know, maybe in the bottom five ish of what uh, of the players that are already in. But in terms of home runs, that's like bottom third, which is which is pretty good. Not too bad. Yeah. And I don't know if it means that he did more with the bat than he did with the glove or something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember what position he played. I probably should have put that together. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like none of his stuff looks like an outlier that isn't already in the hall. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's much reason to say no. Yep. Speaking of not much reason to say no, let's uh, keep it moving here with uh, Paulo Stefano Jr. Um, definitely getting in. Uh, Gustav Beauregard. Okay. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, PDS Jr. Uh, obviously fantastic career thus far. Um, member of the Thousand Hit Club and way over, sitting at 1303. He's got 259 doubles and 33 triples, 228 home runs. Uh, 779 RBIs, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, 500 walks. Uh, unfortunately, he did cross the 1,000 strikeouts threshold, uh, but we'll choose not to hold that up against him. Um, he was a speed demon, or is, uh, sitting at 432 stolen bases, um, which is pretty fantastic. And some of the other stats here, his slash line was 276, 350, 490, with an OPS of 840. So that's sitting at a 132 OPS plus and WRC plus and a staggering 47.8 war. Yeah, I mean, there's no one in their right mind would say no 
to PDS Jr. getting in the Hall of Fame. I believe he had back-to-back MVPs, and I think the first of those MVPs was when he was in the outfield, and then the next MVP the next season was as he made the transition to shortstop. So, like, played two positions at a pretty high level. The only, like, quote, downside to him being shortstop is his defense kind of stunk compared to a lot of the other shortstops who... Oh, I don't know. Maybe decided to copy a pink shortstop who went magician and then three people all pivoted in one year, something like that. I mean, Um, changing the game, really. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, just the offensive numbers alone, there's no way that he's not in. And the stupid thing is, Gustav Beauregard is like a little better in almost every category. (laughs) Like, which is ridiculous. Should we go on, go on to them? Yeah, just to, just to compare. Also, sit. I mean, honestly, all the stats look very, very similar, um, for the most part. So, Beauregard sitting at fourteen hundred hits instead of thirteen hundred. Um, similar number of doubles, exactly the same number of triples. A little bit less power. Uh, mm-hmm. PDS is looking at two twenty eight. Beauregard has one eighty five. Um, so just a little, a little bit less, but not too much. Um, a little bit less RBI sitting at six fifty. Um, I'm going to sneeze real quick. You want to take over? Sure. I mean, I think another thing about the runs and the RBIs is I don't remember off the top of my head what the batting order is for New Orleans, but it very well could have been Gustav goes first and then PDS goes second or something yeah. like that. So that would explain why PDS has 120 more RBIs and 110 sure. fewer runs because maybe PDS is just bringing Gustav home yeah. every every time they're up or whatever. Uh, they have basically the same walks Gustav has way better plate discipline mm-hmm. I mean like the extra 130 hits in the same amount of seasons yeah definitely goes to show that but also he has 200 and something fewer strikeouts like he's also below a thousand and he played two more years than Richie Bonanza so yeah. like, Gustav is just nuts yep I get 565 stolen bases yeah uh, he almost batted 300 on his career so far which is 372 awesome. on base, 477 slugging. So like you said earlier, not quite as much power mm-hmm. as PDS Jr. But because he got on base so much more, his OPS is actually a little bit better at 848 instead of 840. Yep. And that 48.9 war might be going up this year, might not. I don't yep. know what the season will bring him, but Gustav Beauregard is going to go down as one of the best batters of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a little bit of a Mike Trout versus like Babe Ruth sort of thing of like sure. when Babe Ruth played, everybody sucked at the game. Right. And when Mike Trout played, everyone's a lot better, but Mike Trout is just much better than everyone around him as his peers. Right. I think something similar is kind of happening here where Gustav Beauregard had almost 50 war so far. Mm-hmm. But if you picked up Gustav and put him back at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. or uh, at the beginning of the league, mm-hmm. maybe he does better than Julian Osullivan or something like that because everybody back then had such a huge leg up on things like war yeah. in terms of when you came into the league as a batter or a pitcher, you were not facing against opponents who had triple your TPE ever. Exactly. So I think there's... A, it wouldn't quite be called like the live ball dead ball or something like that mm-hmm. differentiation. But I feel like sure. in some capacity you have to 
like compartmentalize two halves of the yeah. Hall of Fame, sort of. Yep. And he's one of the best, if not the best hitter of the like quote live ball, whatever the PVE yeah. version is era. Yeah, it's like I don't know what we'd I don't know if it necessarily will be live ball, dead ball, but definitely there there is an era shift. There there has to be a, a I don't I don't know exactly where you would you know, set that mark. And I don't know if it needs to be an exact mark, but you're totally right. Talking about PDS and Gustav, uh, it's like, you kind of have to look at them through the lens of there are pitchers that are 1800 TP all over the place. So, um, it makes a lot of sense just to kind of compare mm-hmm. ballpark here to, uh, the hall of fame cases already. I thought it was very interesting. There are only one, two, three, four players who had over 300 average for their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting. And Beauregard wasn't quite there, but he was very, very close. Yeah, he'd be um, the seventh highest batting average ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, he's, he'd probably be like top third war, mm-hmm. but yep. he probably would be like top five war if there wasn't a, a weird differentiation between sure. early league and late league. And that's an unavoidable problem. It's not like you're going to just throw in 1800 TPE bots for the initiation right. of the one. <laughs> yeah. Have fun like sucking that. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Also worth mentioning real quick that he's uh, going to be third overall in terms of total steals. Sure. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. At least for, for hall of fame players right yeah. behind uh speedy boy <laughs> and Kevin Biggio. <laughs> Speedy good. boy living up to his name. That one might be an untouchable record. That one's yeah, 894 stolen bases. That's pretty tough. Jeez. Also, unsurprisingly, leading the league in caught stealing. Yeah, sucks to suck. All right, next player, Christopher <laughs> Brew. Um, same exact time window as PDS Junior and Gustav Beauregard. Yep. Um, got about three or four hundred fewer at bats. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's just farther down in the lineup. Yeah, he's a catcher, so yep. that would make sense. Uh, only hit a thousand something hits instead of crossing thirteen or fourteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have more doubles though, hmm. so invest in gap, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> and he still has here. a moderate amount of uh, RBIs. He also he definitely drops off and runs, mm-hmm. but again, I think runs and RBIs are like kind of tricky to think about because it's so lineup dependent. Yeah. And it's not an individual. Yeah, it's not an individual stat at all. Yeah. Um, still pretty good patience. And if we just like skip, skip, skip. Yep. 242 average, 312 OBP. So definitely a lot lower than the last two, but the mm-hmm. last two are some of the greatest hitters ever. Right. Uh 431 slugging is still pretty decent and 743 OPS. The lowest number that we have out of the five batters on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 105 OPS plus and a 105 WRC plus. Mm-hmm. So a good hitter, yeah. not a great hitter. Yep. Still got 30.8 war. And I wonder how much of that has to do with. I think I've read people's pieces mm-hmm. in the PBE media stuff that I think catcher gets a pretty disproportionate boost to war right it's because uh the amount of tpe that needs to be spent to get really positive war results from your defense is a lot less for catcher than for for everything else so i think that is accurate 
Right. So like in that, in that regard, in a weird way, in my head, that kind of goes against Christopher mm-hmm. Brew. I think that's very accurate. Um, I mean, if there was a hollow pretty good, he'd definitely be in that. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first one of of this group where I think it's a bubble player. I think that he has had a really good career, and I think a really good or a, a good batting career as a catcher is great because if you're a good catcher, that's what really matters uh, the most in terms of defense. Right, but um, at the same time, like what you just said, you don't have to spend mm-hmm. that much TPE in yeah. your defensive capabilities. So by that Very logic, true. you should be a good batter if you're a catcher. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Just looking at some of their um, some of their fielding stats, we've got like an 8.69 range and a 16.2 zone rating. Yeah, but what does that mean? Oh, I don't know. I'm just reading numbers. <laughs> <laughs> One of my players in Puerto Rico is like, can someone explain to me defensive stats? And I said, no. No. <laughs> I mean, if anything, one of the only stats that I think matters for catchers are the, the back four pass mm. balls. Yep. Uh, and then basically like throw out percentage stuff. Sure. Um, 25% throw out percentage and 85 total passed balls over. Well, that also includes his two minor league seasons. Mm. So in the majors, sure. he only has 63 total passed balls. Yep. So, I mean, that ends up being like six a year or something like that. Yeah. Which, Not too bad. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the standard to hold him to is. Um, sure. 25 ish percent throwout rate sounds fine it's not mm-hmm. like i think Staggering. i've seen people I've, i think i've seen people with like 28 and stuff sure. like that um i don't know i just feel like with the big war bump that catchers get because it's also it's not it's not even just they don't have to invest as much into defense as other people right it's also like whatever the war formula is yep there are position specific bumps you get to war for playing that position yeah and, and apparently i don't know exactly what it is but i think it was like either mad i think it was madge set up the i think something so. or, the i don't adjust, know the adjustment yeah whatever. whatever the war adjustment was and i think if effectively war disproportionately favors catchers above almost any other position right and if that's the case if so if if the hall of fame votes Christopher Brew in, mm-hmm. or maybe if he like goes off the rest of this year mm-hmm. and then changes my mind or something, I wouldn't be upset about it. If I had a val, if I had a ballot, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd vote him in. Sure, I think that's valid. I won't be that uh, definitive, but I will say that I think he's a bubble. So could get in, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. Now, uh, oddly yeah. enough, when we pivot to Nas Hamed as mm-hmm. the final batter here. Yep. Nas Hamed has 30.7 war, which yep. is 0.1 less than Christopher Brew. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of the the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long thing going on here, where he yep. only has 0.1 war less than Christopher Brew, but he's played two fewer seasons yep. in the majors. Which is crazy. Like, he doesn't have a thousand games yet. Yeah. And he's got a 
better batting average, better on base, better slugging, which therefore means better OPS mm-hmm. and therefore means better OPS plus and WRC plus. So yep. this one is where things get weird because I just said no to a guy with 30.8 war, mm-hmm. but I'm leaning closer towards yes to this guy who has marginally less <laughs> war. And I think yep. it just kind of boils down to that whole, he's not a catcher. So he doesn't get a war bump artificially injected into him and he's not a catcher. So the defense war, whatever fraction of the total value it is, whatever he gets for defense is more expensive for him to get. Right. I think he's a third baseman, which means that you don't have to put as much as if you were a middle infielder or a center fielder or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you have, as far as I know, and I might be wrong, this might just come from ignorance. Mm-hmm. I think catchers basically only have to invest in like two stats to be defensively really good. Yeah, you really need like, catcher's ability and, and then arm. arm. Yeah. yeah. And the other ones, you know, error is good to invest in. Range is not super important, though. Yep, yeah. I would totally agree. And a third baseman needs some range for sure, but they also need a good arm mm-hmm. um, is important. And then error, obviously, is also important so that you don't throw it into the stands. Yeah. So while Christopher Brew is bubble that I lean no, mm-hmm. Naz Hamed is bubble that I lean yes. Sure. Even yep. though Christopher Brew also sticks in my head more. Like when I think, but like when I look at these five players, I think PDS Jr. and Gustav take the one and two spot in yep. my head of like, ooh, those are the guys or whatever. Yep. And then I would put Christopher Brew third, Richie Bonanza fourth, and Nas Hammond fifth. Sure. But even though I have Christopher Brew third, I don't think I'd vote him. Sure. That's fine. That's that's totally fine. And looking over Hamed's, um, like, obviously his counting stats are a lot less impressive just because he hasn't had as, as much time to accrue it. But I mean, but, he, but he almost still almost two, had 200. I know he's had 199 yeah. home runs. I'm guessing he has gotten one. I would hope. I don't know. I or will. I mean, there's... Yeah. 90 games left in the year. Yeah. He's going to get another one. Right. For sure. Yes. I absolutely agree. So, but he doesn't have a thousand strikeouts. So that's really nice. No. Also, by the same logic, Christopher Brew is going to hit 300 doubles. So that's cool. He also could hit 200 home runs if he just suddenly <laughs> blasts out 33 from here on out. But right. I don't know. That one's a little tougher. Yep. Yep, I agree. Uh, should we move on to our pitchers? Sure. We have one starter and one reliever. Yep. So starting with uh, McDougal has had 276 games. Not even going to talk about wins and losses because they don't matter. Um, has an ERA of 4.21 and has gone uh, 1,600 and a half or 1,650, sorry, innings pitched. Giving up a bunch of hits and runs, obviously. Um Moving ahead, he's got 1,557 strikeouts, 10 complete games, and six complete game shutouts, which is pretty cool. Sitting at a 1.27 whip and a 287 BABIP, 422 FIP, and has 22.4 war, is sitting at an ERA plus of 105. So very respectable pitcher throughout his entire career. I'm very curious to look at, like, I mean... uh, Different people like to look at different things in terms of uh, trying to figure out pitchers' dominance. So I know a lot of people like to look at strikeouts. He was not a mm-hmm. huge strikeout pitcher. Um, 1,500 puts him, like, bottom five in the Hall of Fame 
in terms of in terms yep. of strikeouts. But um, good ERA overall. I mean, a little. Yeah, I mean, another things, tricky but... thing about pitchers is you would have to consider a batter is a batter is a batter. Yep. But a pitcher is different depending on if they're a starter or a reliever. So right. there's different lenses that you have to put on. But that being said, Aiden McDougal, if he got in the Hall of Fame, he would have like the fifth fewest strikeouts mm-hmm. and he would have the worst ERA. Yeah, I didn't notice that before I started talking. That's interesting. Worst ERA right now is Ryan Stryker sitting at a 4.02 ERA. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. And in terms of like, I know longevity is another thing for starting pitchers looking at how many innings they have pitched um and he's sitting at 1650 which is you know maybe bottom 10 bottom seven or eight something like that so it's he hasn't had a ton of innings pitch um no but at the same time if he has the eighth or whatever it is fewest innings pitched mm -hmm. And then he has the fifth fewest strikeouts. Then he's not got as many strikeouts per inning as a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how many innings you have, he would have the worst ERA in the hall. Right. Um, I mean, he's got 22 war, 22.4 <laughs> war, which puts him on the board somewhere. I don't know what it is. Yep. It's like yeah. fifth, <laughs> fifth worst, which yep. is like, like, I mean, 20 war is still a lot. Again, right. Hollow pretty good. He's in. Or yes. another way that I'll phrase it is Christopher Brew and Aiden McDougal mm-hmm. would, if there was like a real life team, like they'd get in the NOLA Hall of Fame. Right. Right. I don't sure. think they get in the League Hall of Fame. I don't know if they get like a statue outside of NOLA Stadium or something sure. like that, but they are both good players that were good during Nola's genesis and mm-hmm. simultaneously during Nola's uh, pushes for titles. Yep, absolutely. So I think they're really important players to the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think those two get in team Hall of Fames. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those two get in league Hall of Fames. Yeah, another thing to think about in terms of just the war accumulation is the uh, players in the Hall of Fame right now that have low wars that are pitchers are all relievers in general because starting pitchers just accrue war faster than relievers in general because they just eat up innings. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I would even call him a bubble, but I I don't think he he probably is not a Hall of Famer. I would say, but incredible career. Yeah, I mean you. You'd be happy to end a career with 20 plus war. Oh, yeah. I and I not, will not sniff that, but it would be really nice. <laughs> right. So, again, just because Doc and I are potentially saying no to some of these seven candidates does not mean that we're saying that they're bums. Right. It's just, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if a 421 ERA is Hall of Fame material. Yep. I'm also sorry because they're my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're put in a bit of a pickle i can say whatever i want oh that's right all right moving on to our last rugaroos player we've got james pleasance uh mm-hmm. who is a reliever has appeared in 627 games so he's had more games than mcdougall so i think he's a hall of famer just kidding. weird criteria 
Just kidding. He has uh, had 112 saves, sitting at 3.41 ERA. Has pitched uh, 956 innings. Um, he's sitting at over 1,000 strikeouts. Uh, has a 1.14 whip, 277 BABIP, a 343 FIP, and has 14.6 war. He's sitting at a 146 ERA plus, just for reference. So, Yeah, but one other thing to keep in mind for this 14.6 war. Mm-hmm is James Pleasance also has, he's the only one on this list to have more than 12 years. He has 13 yeah. years in the big leagues. And that's true. That can hurt you if you get called up too early. Yep. But at the same time, he had 13 years and he didn't really stack up any big stats that are super impressive. I did look mm-hmm. at his specific stats and it's kind of funny. He had one year where mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like via trade or what, but he had one year where he played for, I think it was either Indy or Nashville. Mm-hmm. And that was his best year. <laughs> like, oh, funny. <laughs> the only year that he wasn't on New Orleans is the year that he put on the most war. Oh, that's really funny. Hold on. Let me pull it up right here. Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. 2.5. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, I mean, like, yeah, his first year coming up early is negative 1.2 war. Maybe he got called up too early. But even if we give him that back in a refund mm-hmm. and prop him up to 15.8 career war in 12 seasons, yeah, I'm still not really buying it yep. because, I mean, if you if you look at the stretch in his career where he's supposed to be able to put up war, right. 2.5 was his highest, and mm-hmm. then he has 2.4, 2.2, 1.8, 2.2, and then everything after that is two or smaller. And I know that relievers have a different scale than starters, but if you take mm-hmm. a look at someone like Matthew Paul or yep. Jackson DeMarco, yeah. they have years where they put up like four plus or five plus. Yeah. Like they, they come in and do something. Yep. And both of those guys have under 3.0 ERAs. And I know comparing to someone like Matthew Paul or Jackson DeMarco is a little bit of a, a steep hill to climb, but that's, that's hall of fame. You don't get in the hall of fame gently. You have to be the guy. And I don't, I don't think James Pleasant qualifies as that. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the only stat where I could see you making an argument is this 112 saves um, would put him in like the top four, but I, I would agree. I don't think his, his war is big enough and I don't think he, uh, has a good enough ERA. Again, fantastic ERA, incredible career. Um, but yeah, I would say probably not Hall of Fame. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to what you and I have talked about more than once when evaluating our own players. Mm-hmm. Decisions are dumb stats. Yeah. Because him coming in with a save mm-hmm. doesn't like saves are good. You want them. Yep. But I can't give someone too much credit for a save because coming in and getting a save just means you didn't lose. Right. And that your team was in such a position that you coming in could acquire a save. Yeah. And and it's not even like, it's not even just you tied. Mm-hmm. It's you didn't lose. Like you, you like a blown save is you got got. Right. right. And getting saves just means that you avoided that. So I think him having a ton of saves is more a testament to the team had a propensity to get a lead and then put someone good and competent on the bump to not blow the lead. Right. I don't think, I don't think that that gives James much 
of a boon for my Hall of Fame criteria, though, because New Orleans has been a really good team. So yep. getting saves on New Orleans, like borderline should happen right. a lot. Yep. No, if you're a team that wins 70 wins per year for like six years in a row or whatever the number is, like that's a lot of opportunities for people right. to get saves. Yeah, I agree. Sweet. So in uh, in summary, PDS, Beauregard, definitely in. Bonanza, we think in as well. Uh, Brew, eh, maybe. Hamed, maybe, but leaning yes. And then no for McDougal and Pleasance. Yeah, and Respect. PDS and Gustav are like shoe-ins. Obviously, they make right. it. Um, everybody else is fringe at best. And part of the only reason that I'm putting Richie in is because of like effectively nostalgia yeah yeah of that was like the first big moment that i remember in the league yep for sure and i don't and i don't even remember it very clearly right so. <laughs> Love it. sweet so thank you once again to philly's fan we actually went over on time and i don't know if you notice your contract actually says you're paying a dollar per minute so if you could go donate an extra ten dollars uh to oh uh, i thought you session. meant like to your player <laughs> no <laughs> Like an extra six bucks is going to make or break the team. You never know. Well, I mean, I guess it could. If you go $6 over cap, then, then you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on to our second submission was from the brother of Phillies fan, DG. Um, super excited to talk about his player, Toby McMuffin. But first, I wanted to bring up that his – his did I send you his joke uh, – his joke segment that he wanted us to do. I I don't know. Have you I heard so. of Have you heard of the player Dave Man? No, but I'm assuming it's the scorned child of Person Man. Uh, I don't know if it's related to Person Man. That's a really good question, actually. Um, I I don't think it is. So I I will fully admit that my knowledge of Dave Man, uh, is limited. Because I, I came into the Vandals at such a time where Dave Mann was already a running joke for many, many years. And it was one of those, I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm too scared to ask um, kind of thing. So I just pieced little things together. Basically, it's a reliever who went IA and played on the Rougarous for like a ridiculous number of seasons. Um, and for some reason, I cannot find. Oh, here we go. Find him. Uh, basically, he was a low uh, low TPE reliever who actually played really well for a low TPE reliever, like sitting around pretty decent ERA for the first couple of years that he was there. Anyways, he helped them win a championship or something. Anyways, so his joke was he wanted us to talk about Dave Mann for 20 minutes, which would have been very difficult, which is the <laughs> reason he was going to ask us to do it. <laughs> which is, as many people know, it's pretty classic. Yes. Yeah, pretty classic Dillo's current management. Dillo's Dillo's. Either one of them would do a goof like that. <laughs> uh, that being said, we do have the year by year and cumulative totals mm -hmm. for Toby McMuffin, yep. who, for those who might not remember, somehow was a lifetime Vancouver Vandal mm -hmm. right fielder. Yep. Literally every year in the majors. Toby McMuffin was in Vancouver in right field. That was his grass 
no one else is going to take that position from him. It's pretty interesting to have. I wonder how often that actually happens, having a player that literally plays one position on one team for the entirety of their career, a long career, too. I mean, I'm about to do it. Well, a whole lot crazy. of also a lot of catchers probably do it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a little more siloed and a little more. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, it's a little niche. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Niche is a better word for it. Um, but yeah, if we if we just like go year by year, mm-hmm. instead of going through all of the stats because that would take an eternity and be boring as all get out. Yeah, uh, I'll just like quick and dirty do the the OPS and WAR of mm-hmm. the thirteen. Major league seasons that Toby Muffin played. Mm-hmm. Uh, 685 and 0.5 war, so pretty good rookie year. And if mm-hmm. you played 13 years, I'm assuming you came in pretty young, probably after two total years in the minors instead yep. of three. Two years, uh, two years with the Dillos. Okay. Uh, year two, almost the same, just a little better. 695 OPS, 0.7 war. Mm-hmm. And then year three, there was a big explosion. Yep. He had... 825 OPS, 3 war. Then next year, 912 OPS, 3.6 war. Then 907 OPS, 4.9 war. 803 OPS, 3.3 war. And then an oddly not good year here, Hmm. 0670 OPS, and then 0.6 war. Then back to snuff with an 865 and 3.8. Then a 720 and 1.9. 694, 1.0, 706, 1.2, 718, 1.1, and then closing things off with a 605 OPS and negative two war. Yeah, the last year was not kind to uh, Toby McMuffin, unfortunately. No, but you know you know what I will say? What's that? The fans loved it. Yes, 100%. The the seats in right field, right that, that corner wrapping around the foul pole. Yep. Those were the most expensive seats in the stadium that yeah, year. For real. For real. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I'm just realizing this, that the first uh, the first prompt with Phillies is all of my current teammates. And then this one is a former teammate mm-hmm. of mine, which is really cool. He was kind of part of the old guard that were just kind of retiring when I came in, um, which was pretty cool. But uh, anyways, so shout out DG. I like that uh, that connection. Uh, looking at some of his fielding stats, um, well, we don't really know what any any of them mean, but uh, he's got you know positive range and positive zone rating. So, and he has positive zone rating to the point that partially because he played his entire career in right mm-hmm. field, and because he has, uh, I think a three point two is the smallest zone rating he had in any mm-hmm. of those thirteen years. Yep, I believe either you or he said that he has the highest career zone rating mm. out of all right fielders ever. Yep. I think that is exactly what he said. So zone rating again, flawed fluky stat kind of hard to interpret because it's an inherently comparative stat with other people in your position. And it's also a stat that gets negatively impacted. I think mm-hmm. by your teammates being better fielders. Sure. But if you put up the highest X good stat, whatever it is, like if, if you put up the highest, you want to have this number be good stat in a position of all time. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That says something. Yep. 
Yep, I would totally agree. Um, so DG sent over a couple of just notes that I think would be worth talking about quickly. Um, uh, first off, McMuffin's last season at right field isn't counted in the right field leaderboards. And this is exactly what you just said. He leads all right fielders in con- career zone rating as well as games. Just super interesting. Uh, the second playoffs McMuffin played in was resimmed after the first sim. The resim showed shows him as being amazing that postseason, but in reality, he was just as bad as he always was. Even worse, I believe, than the first season. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is the comment that I absolutely love. Um, he says, you're probably aware of this already, but McMuffin struck out with the bases loaded for the final out of game 109. Quick review. I don't remember which season it was, but the Boise Raptors, Vancouver Vandals, uh, game 109 to play into the playoffs. Uh, who, who got the loss in that game? So th- thank you. For this. <laughs> that was a perfect lead in. Uh, I literally messaged him back and said, dude, I literally had no idea that you were the final strikeout. I do, however, remember Tosin getting the loss <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the loss in the playoffs the, pre- the previous year, the knockout loss. So uh, you are you are forgiven, DG. I will take the I will take the blame for that. But that was fun to reminisce horribly about it. But here are the, the questions that he wants us to think about. Uh, where does McMuffin rank in the terms of best right fielder in history? He said Shu put him fifth. I don't know where that list was, but apparently Shu makes lists of things I've discovered. Uh, so it's probably one of them. Um, and do we agree with that? Uh, does the fact that he played his entire career in right field boost his ranking? And then is there any chance that McMuffin gets a single Hall of Fame vote? Um, is interesting. I, th- I think yes and yes to those questions. Yes, I think playing your entire career in one position mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. I don't think it's like a it's not so much of like, a, oh, he's built different or anything like that. It's more of just like, I like that. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a feel-good sort of thing. I don't know. Um, and then, like, he's, yes, he's going to get a vote, I think, at least mm-hmm. one. Because sure. even though he, quote, only has like 22 or whatever it is, war, mm-hmm. um He's 23.7 war. If he had retired one year earlier, he would have had 25.7 right. war, but like then he might not be the most ZR of all time at right field. Sure. So I, I don't know where that plays, but he's got 23 war, which is, I'm pretty sure that would put him at the bottom of the list for hall of famers. Sure. Yep. But so. batting stats are like batting stats are the only universal comparison between batters Mm -hmm. and i think he should get at least one vote i don't know if he should get in but i think he should Mm -hmm. get at least one vote for being by at least one metric the best defensive right fielder ever yeah by volume yeah but like still yeah no i I don't know i mean like plus if you only look at batting stats Mm -hmm. then there will never be a magician that gets hall of fame yeah it's true Something true. like that. So, like, I think the existence of archetypes mm-hmm. for batters makes it so you have to have a more holistic approach to how you evaluate things, especially mm-hmm. after the archetype rework, like four, five, whatever it was years ago, yep. where magicians had their fielding caps raised. Mm-hmm. And now there's a lot of magicians in the infield. Yep. And if. <laughs> 
if you do what I did and you dump like 900 TPE into defense, not 900, but like a lot of TPE in the defense, I will never bat as well as someone like Paolo DeStefano Jr. I have no chance of putting up numbers similar to him. Yeah. But defense is still immensely valuable. Yep. Oh, I would totally agree. Especially as a pitcher. Mm. Yeah. But yes, in general, it's super important. So I I definitely think, uh, I don't have a list of all the right fielders, but I definitely think that he would probably be, yeah, top five, something like that in right fielders. Um, I think that he definitely deserves Hall of Fame vote. I don't think he'll get into the Hall of Fame. I definitely think he'll get into the Vandals Hall of Fame. Um, like yeah. Easily, you know, first ballot kind of thing. Right yes. away. Um, lifetime Vandal, just obviously super good guy, like user as well. Um, so I definitely think that he'll get in the Vandals Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody who has like beef with him or anything, nah. except probably Reno because they're... I was thinking Hummus they... just because the Dillo Dillo thing. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I was just saying Reno because they... I don't remember which direction it is, but one of them has threatened to fire the other like eight times. In oh, two at months. least. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they have very clearly fake, but fun to yes. every once in a while peek at is Beef. very very enjoyable and very funny i appreciate their uh their partnership and how funnily they just joke about that kind of stuff and just thinking mm-hmm. it's like i love working with lbg i would never fake fire lbg it's just different it, it's a different <laughs> uh, relationship yeah <laughs> so yeah, i mean like that's more of a endorsement for like user hall of fame or sure. maybe gm hall of fame but i think gm hall of fame is pretty exclusively like hall of fame committee doesn't give a shit about minors i was so. uh, yep or or a lot of people in the major leagues but that's just... <coughs> which me. is fine yeah. like i don't think there needs to be a minors gm hall of fame i think if you take minors gm hall of fame candidates and you just throw them in user hall of fame like yep. whatever that's fine sure fine by me yeah i gotta be careful and not uh not bring up any drama for the last couple of days and uh, talk about it here <clears throat> uh <laughs> I don't even know what you're referencing. Oh, I, I don't think I know what you're referencing. Absolutely. You can tell me after. It's yeah, I'll tell, yeah, we'll we'll vent afterwards. <laughs> um. Anyways, jumping back to DG's prompt, I this is one of the things I found very interesting. Was talked about how he went uh, 29th in the season 13 draft, which first off, old holy cow, long time ago. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> um. Basically. He was just wondering, since he went 29th overall, how does he compare to those who went in front of him, which is very interesting. The biggest name that jumped out to me as a bust was the number 11 overall, Austin Bentley, who was drafted to the Vancouver Vandals. But Single-handedly just, tanked the Sarasota Supernovas. That's just my... <laughs> oh, someone's got to make him a sig. <laughs> Oh, that's it's pretty crazy how a supernova is a star blowing up and he still made them blow up. It's impressive. Mm. Very impressive. Um, But it's kind of interesting looking through this list because yeah, I agree. It's like it's old enough that there are basically two outcomes. Either Mm -hmm. they are someone who stuck around for a ton of years and I know their player because they had some good lifetime numbers Mm -hmm. or who the fuck is that? Yes. (laughs) And, and there's no middle ground. There are a lot of them. And you're totally right. I mean, Elliot Lefebvre, like, boom, Hall of Fame player. Jose yep. 43, around all the time. 
fantastic. Player. I think I think also a Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame candidate or something. I think so. at le- we'll we'll say at least a Hall of Fame candidate. Um, number three, who is Andy Spruce? Yeah, I have no idea, and who knows? Maybe they actually did have a good career, but no idea who that is. No idea who Mac Arian is. I've heard Nacho I've heard Vargo of Mac Arian, and I've okay. heard of Nacho Vargo. Not Nacho Varga. Yep. Uh, Al, Al Borland. Borland. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, Colton Kai, I have heard of. Yep. Sims I th- that was a that was like a vandal teammate with you for a little bit, wasn't? Weren't they? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. You can look it up if you want. Uh, Sim Zhang Zhuan. Never heard of them. Callaway Flowers. I, I have heard of Sim before, yeah. only because I saw Sim on a roster during a live stream, and I made mm-hmm. some joke about... I think it was while I was commenting with AJ. Sure. And Which, which first off, commenting streams, I've been exposed to more names than you probably have, because yes. I've Very been true. effectively forced to look at more, which is... Forced, forced has like a negative connotation. I've been required, yeah. but happily looked at them whatever uh but sim has definitely come across my screen before because i remember making just like a terrible joke where i was like well no wonder death valley is gonna win they have twice as many sims because it's a sim league or like whatever whatever like even this rehashing of the joke was bad yes yeah it was bad the first time but now we uh yeah we live it a second time maybe it'd be more effective to just like call out some names that we recognize obviously austin bentley uh, is there Vivazeros Belquin went number 20 overall? Um, is he Dino? Grover Walkenfuss? <laughs> Whoever that is, <laughs> that's a legendary that's, name. My goodness, it's a, a fun name, yeah. Yeah, also very interesting seeing the uh, the Vandals old logo. It's very is that wait, is that oh gosh, that's you. A former you? Yeah, isn't that nuts? That I can't even tell what that is. It's just a baseball, uh, baseball. with a something behind cape it, cape or something. I don't know. But obviously, they also have the Utah Railroaders as well as the Florida Space Rangers. Um, uh-huh. in, yeah, which is which is interesting. Uh, any other names that jump out to you? Uh, Ryan Rose went right after Toby McMuffin. There's a big name. Yeah, I mean nobody else before Toby yeah. shows up. Uh, James, James Love, jeez, Bobby thirty-seven McDonald. overall. Holy cow, mm. forty-two Bobby McDonald. That's nuts. There's a that that might be about it. Oh no, Revan Knox, fifty-fifth overall. Wow. Revan Knox was around for a while. I don't know if Revan Knox was good. I just know that Revan Knox was right. affiliated with um, Cancun, like right sure. when they drafted me. So yeah. And I, if I'm not this... mistaken, this is also back when there was one draft, not a minors and a majors draft. Wait, was there even a minor league? No, this this there was there was both of them here. Was it? Oh, oh yep, yeah, back here. <laughs> also, I can see that you're also on this forum. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hey friend. <laughs> oh, 64 overall. Striker spin rate. Heard wow. that name before. Yeah. Oh, interesting. This was right when expansion happened with the stars and the toros hmm. so i mean like if you redrafted the season 13 i don't know what the order would be because we didn't see a lot of these players play maybe some of them right. were pretty good mid-active players that got you some value sure but there's a lot of people that at the very least did not make it to season 23 24 area where you yeah. and i joined so yeah. 
from our perspective, which is super warped because we only know the people who did last the long haul, mm-hmm. then Toby McMuffin is definitely a first round draft pick because yep. who the hell are some of these <laughs> other people? Yeah, I'd say like probably because he's a good player. five or six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 100 percent. So, yeah, probably five or six overall in the first round, I'd, I'd imagine, maybe towards the tail end of the, the first round, depending on team needs and such. But, um, yeah, super yeah. interesting. This was a this was a fun one to look back just because it's history that we didn't experience <laughs> because it's yeah way before we showed up. But it's fun to just pick out some names that we recognize. Yeah, and it's also something that's like pretty specific to the PBE compared mm-hmm. to the MLB, because if you show me the draft list from four years ago, mm-hmm. I'm not going to look through 48 rounds or whatever it is of 30 picks per round. Like the prospect tree in the MLB is a nightmare to try to follow. Whereas here, it's just like, if you're a good pick, you're a good pick. And it's much easier to track. Yeah. For real. Very enjoyable. Very enjoyable indeed. So uh, let's see. Any other thoughts about McMuffin? Oh, real quick. He won the Vandals uh, jerseys. Um, so he made uh, Toby McMuffin on the back with some of his career stats with a little like McMuffin in the corner. And then in the very bottom <laughs> in small font, it says Dave Mann is elite. <laughs> it's a very well done jersey, I must say. So well done, <laughs> well done DG. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Are we ready to move on to our last segment? I think so. And this last segment is going to be probably the longest one it was proposed to us by musha your new um force i was gonna say like (laughs) ships crossing in the night or something like that that works too um so musha is in the same draft class as doc and i Mm -hmm. season 24 and the prompt from musha is to look at the 16 highest TPE individuals Mm -hmm. and redo the season 24 draft with only those 16 people. But what we're going to do is we're going to slightly alter it. We're going to look at the 17 highest individuals Mm -hmm. because the highest overall is person man. And he had to go second round. Right. So we're, we're extending it to 17 so that there are 16 people still in the draft bucket that you can actually use. Yep. And we are also only doing the first round, not 16 picks, because the first round was only 14 back then. Yeah, right. Because that was before Buffalo and Seattle existed. Right. Um, so one of the things that he says in his prompt that he sent to you, uh, I ended up doing a decent amount of looking into this over the last like two days. He ends up saying something along the lines of like, season 24 is an underlooked draft class but it's Mm -hmm. pretty stacked um i will half agree i agree that it's pretty stacked i don't Mm -hmm. think it's underlooked i've had a lot of people talk about how stupid strong the season 24 class is um so before we actually get into the drafting segment Mm -hmm. i'd like to take a couple minutes to just talk about the class sure um I ended up comparing season 24 to season 23 to Mm. see what, if anything, the differences in patterns between those would be. Yeah. And holy smokes, I don't know if season 24 is just like God mode Mm -hmm. or if season 23 sucks. Sure. I think it's both. 
but continue. It might be a, it might be a little bit of both. Yeah. Season 24 draft class, our draft class for the three of us. Uh, right now, the maximum is at 1,466 TPE, which mm-hmm. is person man. Mm-hmm. There are 29 total people in our draft class at or above 1,000 TPE already. Yikes. The 25th highest TPE is 1,129. If you go over to season 23, mm-hmm. there are only 12 people with another year to farm TPE that are over 1,000. Yikes. If you took the entirety of season 24's draft class and the entirety of season 23's draft class and you smushed them together, season 23's draft class would still have the highest TPE and then have slots 2 through 10. Mm. But then season 24 players injected into season 23's draft class would still have slots 11 through 27 for the most TPE. (laughs) Oh, that's bonkers. That's absolutely bonkers. The 25th highest TPE, like I said, in 24 is at Mm. 1129. The 25th highest TPE in season 23, which again had one extra year to farm, mm-hmm. is at 418. Jeez. So, like, wow. Like you said, I think it's a combination of like season 23 must just kind of suck or mm-hmm. something. But there's also just such a dense clump of yeah. talent. And, like, while you were saying that reminded me, I was doing some research a while ago. I think this was last year or a year and a half ago where I was doing some research. I ended up sending something leatherneck Mike. I think it was from an article I wrote, but basically what I did is I looked at the top five, top 10, top 15, top 20 and top 25 players in each class. And all I did was measure, you know, number five to number one. What's the the space in TPE? The, all the disparity, way to, yeah. Yeah, basically just to see how top-heavy heavy it is. And this was done, I think, right as Season 30 had created. So everything skewed that way quite a bit um, to the, the earlier Yeah, obviously, the, the younger you are, the less time there yep. is for there to be a gap between top TPE yep. and whatever. Absolutely. Whatever so essentially... Place. Season 24 is the third for top five, the second for top 10, the third for top 15, and fifth for top 20 and top 25, whereas the top 25 in season 24 are only separated by 230 TPE, which is kind of interesting. Um, So big, big clump, basically. All that to say, season 24, super fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, like really dense with, with active players. It's... I think it's probably the best draft class that we've seen. I think also 26 yep. was supposedly pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I think people keep saying 26 was good. Sure. But I mean, like, yeah, the the disparity between the first best and the fifth best in season 23 is 60. Yeah. In order to get a disparity of 60 in season 24, which has had one less year to right. get a disparity, but still, uh, you have to go down to... 13 i think it is 14 something like that it's like it's a very tight race anyways all that said and done the 17 qualifying players that we will be using which is really 16 
because person man's disqualified because he has to take himself second round hypothetically. Number one overall in terms of TPE, not draft order. Right. Right. 1466 TPE is uh, a person man. Yep. And then the rest of the people on that list, we have Ernie Witt, the catcher. We have Bark Murley, starting pitcher. We have Bongo Lulongo, first baseman. Trevin Knight, center field. Jebediah Crunk, shortstop. Dirk Diglett, starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Wallaby Hickams, shortstop. Mm-hmm. Michael Knight Rider, starting pitcher. Caden Kalian, second base. Jackie Daytona, third base. Used to be left field. Pork Chop Sandwiches, second base. Giuseppe Tosin, starting pitcher. Matty DeFerrari, starting pitcher. And the person who submitted this segment. Right. Danny Sullivan, starting pitcher, Jody Quinn, center field, and Spacock as catcher at number 17 to give us 16 eligible candidates, yep. uh, basically. And just to quickly run through the draft, just as a refresh, uh, season 24 draft, we had the Kashima Foxes selecting Michael Knightrider, the Stars selecting Bongo Lulongo, the Vandals selecting Jackie Daytona, the Crabs selecting Ruth Heater Ginsburg, the Vandals selecting Giuseppe Tosin, Toros selecting Caden Kalian. The Supernovas selected uh, Dirk Diglett. Toros selecting Ernie Witt. Uh, the Boise Raptors selecting Perry Hodder. The Demons selecting Hunts Katsup. Uh, the Apex selecting Jody Quinn. The Toros selecting Wallaby Hickams. The Sloths selecting Trevin Knight. And then finally, the World Series champs, Norland Rugerus, selecting Maddie DeFerrari. Right. So what we ended up doing is we have the same list of 14 teams in that order. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever like draft trades happened, mm-hmm. we're just going to assume what happened here as well, because I don't want to go find whatever the original order was supposed to be because right. I didn't want to do that. Uh, and then I, I also used an article that I wrote back then as uh, a sort of a blueprint of what I, at the time, vaguely mm-hmm. thought with a lot of ignorance because I had just joined the league. This was our major league draft, so like, right. I had been in the league for two months right. or something. But what, at the time, I thought, whether through my own research or by piggybacking off of Rabid Sponge's spreadsheet that he made for right. his articles, mm-hmm. what I thought the team needs were. Yeah. So we're just going to use those same team needs as rough blueprints. Mm-hmm. Um. They might be wrong. I kind of don't care because I don't know how <laughs> to fix that problem. Yeah, so we're just going to we're going to have a good time with it. Hopefully yeah. have some interesting discussion on each of these picks. And right. And just kind of kind of go from there, I think. And all of this is also going to be uh, tough to look at because there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seven out of the 16 not person man mm-hmm. candidates that have for sure undergone an archetype change. And then two other sure. people that I think had an archetype change, but I couldn't nail it down because they had like unconventional updating styles or something like that. Sure. Um, Use the updater. Updater's great. I mean, if you don't need it, then whatever, yep. but yep. so I think we're going to operate on the assumption what, what do, you, do you want to operate on the assumption that everyone gets drafted as the archetype they were? Or do you want to operate on the assumption that everyone gets drafted on the archetype they currently are? Let's just go with currently are. Okay. That being fun. said, I think arc switches are dumb. I don't like them. <laughs> I think you should be able to get a free arc switch when you are drafted to the minors and a free arc switch when you are called up to the majors mm. and nothing else after that. Sure. Make your bed and lie in it. 
unless there is a like archetype balance that comes out from balance sure. team, then then you get a free switch, obviously. Yep. But I think switching like I know you just did this. Sorry. No, it's cool. But I think switching after like six years is illogical and I also just don't like it. Yeah, that's totally fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind it one bit. Now, here's a question. Uh-huh. Looking at these picks, I think Musha's prompt said that he wanted us to choose solely on TPE. Did he? Do you think he meant literally just only take into account TPE or just the top TPE earners? I think. Which I think that was interpret that. I have to assume that he was saying using only TPE as a way to generate the sixteen candidates because. If we were just right. using TPE yep. only as a way to draft, then we're yep. done. And that's yep. too short for a topic. <laughs> Surprise. So. Okay. That's what I thought too. But, and now that we talked it through, that makes a heck of a lot more sense. Okay. That makes sense. So number one on the board is Kashima. Yeah. And according to my thoughts from the article that I wrote back at the time, which first off, thank God I wrote that article <laughs> to have a blueprint for this. <laughs> for real. Um, you had no idea at the time you were just trying to make money. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So the, the the best player available slash pitcher is what I wrote mm-hmm. for Kashima because at the time, Kashima, which is now the Maui Makos for anyone mm-hmm. who's new, yep. Um, at the time, Kashima had not yet had like a palatable season, as far right. as I know. Yep. And they were down bad, like they yep. were not having a good time at all. Right. Um, they ended up going with what I think is the direction that we would go. Mm-hmm. And that is a starting three team all team have nothing cabinet. You might as well throw in the staple. All right. We just had our very first in a very long time, our first internet glitchy. Uh, oh, really? Voice. So welcome back, the blow pop robot voice, everybody. That was great. You want to try and say that statement? Blowbot. Blowbot. <laughs> we cannot call it that. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I think I think Kashima's generic strategy yep. makes perfect sense of get a starting pitcher because every team needs pitching. Yep. And if you have an empty cabinet, get a staple before you get anything specific. You know, before sure. you go out and buy like specific sauces or seasoning for a specific dish you want, just go get a big sack of chicken. Just go get a yep. bunch of rice. Just right. like something that is, it's a mainstay. Mm-hmm. You'll get use out of it. It's going to be a good pick. Right. So in my opinion, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Mm-hmm. I think they still go with the pitcher first overall. Yep. I would agree with that starter. Okay. Now, Musha also did qualify that for all of these picks that we're laying out, we are mm-hmm. supposed to pick them with the assumption that the at-the-time GMs right. were still the GMs. Mm-hmm. So I believe at the time that was Emmy which, and CCC. Yep, which I, I think his comment about the GMs was purely so that we don't take ah uh-uh. I think he just meant okay. it in terms of the making sure we didn't draft somebody that would have had to go in the second round. So I think you and I can still make the decisions for the team. I don't think we need to take into account who the GMs were. Okay. I mean, I still... Okay. Well, we should decide that now because I, yeah. I think if we are like kind of role-playing as the GMs, mm-hmm. I think Kachima still takes 
Michael Knight Rider because yep. LBG was friends with Amy. Yep. I, w- I, think, I would agree with that too. I think if we are saying scrap it, we are the GM of every team. Yep. Then I think first overall, I would just go with Bark Murley because he's the same current archetype picture. He mm-hmm. just has an additional 23 TPE. Right. Yeah. Which way so, do you want to go with it? I think it'd be more fun to try to like get in the heads and say, sure. here's what I think. I mean, I also only like that and Cancun are like the only two that I would have. Like, right. And the only one I have insight on. on is Vancouver. So, but that's fine. We can use our insight. Maybe, and now let's, let, let's play it neutral then. I okay. guess. Okay. So, so bark bark will go number one overall to Kashima foxes. Okay. Bark Murley top pick in the 2000 and whatever year the league supposedly right. congratulations 30 whatever congrats season 24 first overall yep up good next pick. good pick nashville stars yep the article that i had uh and also i think rabbit's piece mm-hmm. said uh first baseman and or pitcher yep. maybe in that order yeah. So, I mean, they did take a first baseman. Right. And they did take Rabbit Sponge, right. who's still on the team. Right. So I think I think that one's pretty logical. I think yep. he. I think perfectly panned out. Needs to stay right there, Bongo okay. Longo. I mean, just makes sense. Best first baseman and the only first baseman in our smaller draft pool. Obviously, has worked out well for them. So, we'll go with Bongo right. Longo. Okay. Up next, Vancouver. Well, one of Vancouver's picks. Mm -hmm. Um, The piece and whatnot that I had said that I thought that they would maybe want a third baseman Mm -hmm. or a pitcher or a catcher, probably in that order. And they did that. They took a third baseman last go around with Jackie Daytona, who Mm -hmm. is on the board. Right. But it gets tricky because you and I saw Jackie Daytona leave in free agency. Right. Yep. With a definitely not a tampering case um, where he went to the New York Voyagers. So also, we had, I think you had said earlier third base was left field. I think he's he was third base now is left field. Oh, OK. Small, small potatoes, but um, just in general. So looking at the board... It's like, are we are we making these picks with some knowledge, <laughs> some some future knowledge? Right. That's the that's the all? tricky part. Do we know that Jackie Daytona is going to have a unwarpable predisposition to go to New York later? Right. Because um, obviously, if that's the case, I I know for a fact Vancouver would not have picked. Daytona right. I mean, no one no one would. You wouldn't yeah. pick someone that you know is leaving in free agency. Right. So I think it. It's either Jackie Daytona, mm-hmm. if we have some amount of prescience, yep, or there's not any other third base on this list, right? So maybe they Dirk punt Diglett. third base and pick it. Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's either yeah. either Jackie or Dirk, depending on how we want to play the game. Yeah. Well, let's let's play the game for fun and do Dirk Diglett. Okay. All right. So Dirk Diglett goes number three overall to the Vancouver. Vandals and next up because, number four, yeah. 
We've got the Providence Crabs who took Ruth Heter Ginsburg, who is not on this list. Um, no. Your article has listed pitcher slash outfielder. Right. Um, I don't remember what the justification for pitcher was, but for outfielder, they had a couple of high TPE people, or at least Mike Litteris. I know that was yep. one name on the, he's probably old and getting old soon. Yep. I would agree. It's, uh, interesting observation here. We have one outfielder in the top 16. Two. Yep. Sorry, two outfielders. Trevin Knight and Jody Quinn. Uh-huh. We There's a... There's slim pickings. There's a lot of starting pitchers. Yep. There are no relief pitchers. Right. Which, although at the I time, mean, Maddie DeFerrero was technically a reliever, but right. Other than that. Yeah, but we're we're doing the we're doing future pick where we mm-hmm. know what archetypes they would change to. We know right. what TPE they go to. We know what position they change to, and we know whether or not they will leave you hanging. In free yeah. ages. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, so for Providence, do they just go with best pitcher available, uh, bring in LBG, Michael Knight Rider, or do it they would... go with the scarcity effect and take Trevin Knight? Uh, I mean, only picking the first round, mm-hmm. they only have one pick. So right. I think they just got to get the person that they want the most, mm-hmm. which was probably a pitcher of some sorts because they picked Ruth Heater Ginsburg. Right. That's good. So I would say maybe Michael Knight Rider. All right. Michael Knight Rider drops all the way to four overall. What a slide for LB. Even though, I mean, Bark, Dirk, and Michael, and you, mm-hmm. and Maddie, and Dan, like all, all six pitchers are junk, which again, there were five <laughs> archetype changes to junk, go to junk. Junk ballers, to be clear. We're not junk. No. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> there oh, there were six good. there yes. are six starting pitchers yeah. in the top 17 TPE. One of them has been a junk baller his entire career. Yep. Five others changed later in their careers when they realized junk baller was good. Yep. I think that's dumb. Make your bed, lie in it, lean into being a flamethrower, lean into being a control freak. Don't pick knuckleballer in the first place. Yep. Stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think the bigger issue is that the uh, arcs are not balanced. And so it's also that either I am not as good of a pitcher or I could be the best pitcher I can be, which is it was the switch anyways. But jumping in now, Vancouver five overall, they just took took Dirk Diglett. Um, So I'm thinking if we're still pivoting off of the Jackie Daytona, I think they should go Ernie Witt because catcher is their third. Catchers on their list of stuff to get as well. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. The only other thing I could think of is maybe there's an maybe one of the middle infielders would be willing to pivot to third. Mm, But I think I think yours your suggestion makes more sense. Just pick the guy who's already at the position you need to fill. Right, and top of the class save for uh, right, pretty great. So five overall, Ernie Witt goes to the Vancouver Vandals. Now up next is Cancun. And this is an interesting situation because mm-hmm. I wrote that I thought that they needed middle infielders and then mm-hmm. a pitcher and then an outfielder. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have them needing a catcher. Sure. So this this is just interesting. This is just an example of my ignorance, especially yeah. at the time. <laughs> but uh I didn't even know that they needed a catcher. So they did take Ernie Witt. Now Ernie is off the board. Yep. And here's where I kind of like 
this is part of why I thought maybe we play the game of pretend to be Steel mm-hmm. and Bauer because sure. if you just want to take TPE, technically yep. Jebediah Krunk right. is a magician shortstop. Yep. But I'm only two TPE behind him, and mm-hmm. I am friends with Shady Shoelace, who was a big part of the Toros for a long time and then mm-hmm. went away for like three years and then came back mm-hmm. and is part of the Toros again. Yep. And Steel and Bauer are besties with SD Core, who is Caden Kalian, right. who's only two TBE behind me. Mm-hmm. So like, if we're just playing the numbers game, Jebediah Krunk is the pick to go with here. Right. But if we're playing in any semblance as pretending to be Steel and Bauer, pretending yep. to be them, then we would go with either me or SD Core. Yep. But we already agreed earlier that we're not playing to be them. So I think they take right. Krunk. That's, yeah, that's, that's good logic. I think so. Six overall, Cancun takes Jebediah Crunk. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes sense. Moving to the Sarasota Supernovas. At number seven, you have marked it down that they need an outfielder or best player available. Um, yeah, and this one I was a little in the dark on because at the time, Sarasota was like pretty young. Mm-hmm. We ended up watching them get towards being pretty good and making a big playoff push and having it implode. Right. But at the time that I wrote this article, I think they only had like three people above 1200 or something like that. So sure. I thought that there was a lot of room for growth and with both high TPE teams and low TPE teams, yeah. I had no idea what to right. think in terms of places to fill yep. versus if something is like middling, there's probably going to be a couple of positions that are falling behind and right. I don't know. So I ended up saying that they could go with an outfielder. I don't remember why. Sure. But Other I say we that, blindly go off of that and take yeah. the outfielder and best player available in Trevin Knight. Does that sound good? Yeah. 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 I Seven agree. overall, Trevin Knight goes to Sarasota Supernovas. Number eight, the pick wraps rack, uh, back around to Cancun with still mm-hmm. the middle infielder, pitcher, outfielder. Yeah. And before before we talk about Cancun, I yep. think in my prediction article, I had Trevin Knight going to Sarasota. Oh, really? That's really funny. I think so. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, they ended up taking Dirk Diglett, I believe. Yep. Interesting. So Cancun has now picked up a middle infielder Yep. in Jebediah Krunk. And what they ended up doing in the draft for realsies mm-hmm. is getting two middle infielders and a catcher. Right. So they have one middle infielder already. Mm-hmm. Apparently they didn't need an outfielder as much as I thought they did. Sure. Um, hmm. And they didn't need a pitcher as much as I thought they did either. Right. So I don't know. Maybe maybe this one they double up and they pick me because at the time I was listed as a second baseman. So they could have sure. double magicians on both sides of the bag. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense probably. Although it's kind of boring and lame that you went to the same team they already went to. Yeah. That being said, I did move up hypothetically four slots in the draft. Yeah. And and again, like if this was actually Steele and Bauer, yeah, they would have picked Corey at either six or eight instead of the two of us that got picked because they're great friends. So like for sure, whatever. But for this thought experiment, 
yeah we'll have you going this like incredibly stale look at the numbers thing (laughs) i do barely edge out yeah kate and kaylian at this point in time those prime times and predictions really paying off to yeah help move you up in the draft uh going to number nine boise you have them listed as needing an outfielder or best player available um yep and if we want to go by outfield there's only one left right so that would force their hand to jody quinn mm-hmm. so it kind of goes down to do they want jody quinn as mm-hmm. outfield or do they want someone like 35 or 40 tpe a higher in right. what i may or may not have falsely perceived to right. be a more <laughs> like a less needed position right right exactly um yeah i mean i think we could go either way with it um it's either going Caden Kalian or jumping all the way down to Jody Quinn. So, I mean, the thing is, like, jumping up 40 TPE is not, like, groundbreaking, I think. So if, if you really need an outfielder, you'd be perfectly happy with the 1395 Jody Quinn, I would think. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't remember... The context of why i said i thought they needed an outfielder sure let's just operate on the assumption that i was correct even yep. though who knows that's dangerous yeah <laughs> so we'll say that boise gets jody quinn uh and i think that's the biggest fall that we've had so far show up on the board because mm-hmm. i think he went wait where did he go in the actual thing oh no uh... he went 11. yeah that's pretty spot on then. What was I thinking? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking of. Oh, well. Yep. So now comes to the weird spot where there's a bunch of people. Yep. The, the next four teams, all supposedly from my perspective, mm-hmm. would have liked an outfielder, but right. none exist anymore. Psych. So, yeah. Whoopsie doodle. Which is a bummer. So going to number 10 now, Detroit, needing outfielder, as we mentioned, there are none. So we have pitcher listed. So mm-hmm. I think if we're just going by the numbers, that would be Giuseppe Tosum. That'd be you. That'd be me. So 10 overall, the Detroit Demons select Giuseppe Tosum. Number 11, Indy needs either a pitcher, an outfielder, or a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So Which I, should... I guess would be effectively forced to Matty. Yep. So I think Maddie DeFerrari, Musha, is... the one who submitted this. Thank you. You're uh, some of these. Yeah, uh, the formulas got are not working. But that's okay. Somehow it got borked. Not a big deal. Uh, so Indy at 11 goes to Maddie DeFerrari. And then coming back to the Cancun Toros at 12. What do we want to do here? Do we have them so, take the last pitcher? I think they have to because they already got two middle infielders yeah. and there are no outfielders left. So I think Cancun would take Danny Sullivan. Yep. I would agree with that. So 12 overall Cancun takes Danny Sullivan. Number 13, San Antonio. You have it listed as needing outfielder. Don't have any mm-hmm. first baseman also don't have any. So best player available uh, is Caden Kalian. Right. And I don't remember if that would fit into their scheme yeah, at I all. Either. I don't know. But if I they have that, or had shortstop, that, that is correct. Oh no, th- that would work just fine because they ended up. Uh, they drafted pork chop sandwiches. I think. Oh, that's right. Who is also a middle infielder? Uh, wait, no, no, no. They got Trevin Knight. Yeah, but they got pork chop later. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Twenty overall. 
So uh, I think Corey goes to San Antonio. Yep. I would agree with that. And then the last pick of the first round, Nola needs middle infielder or best player available. So that is going to be between Jackie Daytona and Pork Chop Sandwiches. Yeah, and I think the four TPE difference, as well as, like, Jackie's effectively on our do not draft list because he is going to abandon you in free agency. Right. So I think Pork Chop Sandwiches goes to NOLA. Yep, I think that makes sense as well. So in summary, we have Kashima taking Bark Murley, Nashville taking Bongo Lulongo, Vancouver taking Dirk Diglett, Providence taking Michael Knight Rider, Vancouver taking Ernie Witt, uh, Cancun taking Jebediah Crunk, Sarasota taking Trevin Knight, Cancun taking Wallaby Hickams, Boise taking Jody Quinn, Detroit taking Giuseppe Tosin, Indy taking Matty DeFerrari, Cancun taking Danny Sullivan, San Antonio taking Caden Kalian, and finally Nola taking Pork Chop Sandwiches. Yeah, and I think... I think by the, the rules that we established via the rules that Musha established, I think <laughs> right. I think we probably played the game like kind of correctly. Again, yeah. a little fuzzy because we're using my interpretations of team needs right. <laughs> from 10 months ago or whatever it was yep. when I probably didn't know as didn't much. Know as much. Um, yep. And also back then I had the disclaimer of like, I'm not looking at previous drafts to see right. what they recently picked. So right. This is this is probably a lot of erroneous information. Yeah. Um, so like let's let's compare side by side with the draft that actually happened. Okay. Just out of curiosity. So instead of Michael Knight Rider, Kashima gets Bark Murley, which is it's the same archetype now. Yep. yep. Pretty pretty similar, just looking at the player. The, the players yeah. themselves. So Kashima gained 23 TPE is what Good happened. Job. Yep. Uh, Bongo the, Bongo same the same. And yep. I think that's the only pick that did not change. Yep. I think you're, that's correct. Cancun still got you, but at a different but spot. I, but I, yeah, moved up a little. Yep. Yeah, and then three overall, the Vancouver Vandals got a good starting pitcher in Dirk Diglett instead of Jackie Daytona, so that's an upgrade for them. Right, and um, Jackie Daytona is the only player on the well, let me uh, see. Perry Hodder Hunts Castle. No, Jackie Daytona is one of only two players on the list of highest TPE oh. who was drafted first round who that no longer is in our game. Yep. 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 I would agree. Um, for overall right, no, Providence uh, took Michael Knight Rider instead of Ruth Heater Ginsburg. That's definitely an upgrade um, for them. Five yep. overall, Vancouver, uh, Ernie Witt instead of Giuseppe Tosin. Which... And that would have effectively been the invest for the future for right. the Sack Lodge replacement whenever Sack Lodge yep. stopped. I don't remember when that was. Uh, I think his last season, last year was his last season or the year before, I think. So okay. they, might have like had, they might have had Ernie as like a DH until yeah. then or something. Yeah, now that we say all that, it's like maybe they wouldn't have done. But again, this is all just through the lens of what you saw at that time. So, yeah, it makes sense. Plus, if you know that someone's going to be the second highest earner in the draft class, like, right, you could probably find a way to make that work. Yes. Yeah, you can finagle that for sure. Uh, six, Cancun took Jebediah Crunk instead of Caden Kalian. So, and again, that change was only made because we're, we're, pretend, we're, we're pretending that there's 
no emotion. Right. No friendship. Game. There's no friendship in baseball. There's um, no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. Uh, Sarasota t- uh, took Trevin Knight in hours as opposed to Dirk Diglett. Um, so yep. Diglett was already taken. Getting a outfielder worked out well for them, I think. Uh, number eight, Cancun taking you, which has worked out great. So, yeah, it's all right. Debatable. Um, do do do. And that was instead of Ernie, right. who is gone on our board. Yep. And then let's see, number nine, Boise took Jody Quinn instead of Perry Hodder, uh, who is not even on our board because they are not in the top. Right. So that works out just fine. Jody was the second of two outfielders mm-hmm. on the list, so makes sense, I think. Uh, Detroit at ten took Giuseppe Tosin instead of Hunts Katzip, um, so getting a starting pitcher instead of a second baseman. Which in the in the vacuum of not knowing, mm-hmm. I mean, Hunts Katzip did not make it on the seventeen highest TBE list, so mm-hmm. in that vacuum, good. Yep. They improved TBE. But also, Hans Katzup is now the co-GM. I think he's still the co-GM of Maui. So, like, oh, that was a player that they eventually had to lose. Interesting. Lose. Who? Wait, who's the user for Hans Katzup? Uh, I can't remember I, who's the other. Obviously, I know Diesel, but I can't remember the other. Anyways, while you're looking that up, at number eleven, Indy takes Matty DeFerrari instead of Jody Quinn, which. Uh, Jody Quinn's already off the board, so that makes sense. Yep. Good starting pitcher. Sparky D. Oh, Sparky. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize Sparky D was Hans Kassup, but that makes sense now. Um, sure. I think that's really oh, Now, I, okay, I need yeah, to double, double check. check. Uh, at 12, Cancun took Danny Sullivan instead of Wallaby Hickams, which they already got earlier, so picking up a starting pitcher. Great for them. San Antonio at 13 takes Caden Kalian instead of Trevin Knight. Which Trevor Knight's already off the board, and then Nola ends with pork chop sandwiches instead of Maddie De Ferrari. So, right. So the only three snubs that we had on our list were Ah uh-uh, Ah, who's not really a snub because right. he shouldn't have been can't be chosen. He can't be chosen first round because he's uh, right predestined. Yep. Um, then we have Jackie Daytona, who was effectively on the no fly list because we knew that he was going to leave the team. Yep. And then Spacock. Yep. who just didn't make the cut, I guess, even though he's pretty close. He's so, also, I, that's the, the highest drop-off on the list. Yeah, from that's true. From In terms second of overall, yeah, from second overall TPE to 16th overall TPE, that entire gap of players, there's only 67 TPE difference. Wow. And then from 16 to 17, there's 60 by itself. Right. <laughs> so... So the top sixteen team, the top sixteen players, are very clumped together. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So, and then well, a bit of a drop, but it stabilizes. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for this prompt, Musha. This was a really fun thought ex- exercise, and fun that you prompted something that not only involves your player but both of our players as well. Um, it was kind of fun. It was, it was a great suggestion for what to talk through. Yeah, and. Moose's player moved up three slots in the draft. My player moved up four slots in the draft. Your player went down, down. five slots in the draft. Yep. But the three of us put together had a net rise of two. There you go. So can't beat that teamwork. How about that? Or something. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I am exhausted and want to go to sleep. So I say we wrap this up. 
um, so that I can go do that. But thank you to everyone who bid on our segments. And especially thank you to the three who won the segments. Hope you guys enjoyed Mm -hmm. us talking about what you uh, wanted us to talk about. Um, Yeah. And we forgot to say this at the beginning, but since this was the charity recording, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll put this in the the post when Doc puts it on JSync, this one should be ungraded. This is just no money for consumption. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Totally agree. So we'll, we'll put that in if the grader happened to listen all the way to the end of this. However, the grader also hasn't graded our last podcast yet. So maybe they just won't even get to this one. We'll see. Well, it's either that or maybe the grader posted to bank and banker hasn't done it's it. True. Whatever. There's there's avenues. There's. Yeah. I say that in jest. I appreciate the graders very much. So thank you. Sloth is killer. <laughs> yeah, we're also like not strapped for cash. Yeah. So. <laughs> I would like to stay above $100 million if possible. But. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. You did wager ten million against me in the casino. It's true, and it's not looking so good. Yeah, so far, but we'll see. Yeah, but it's been th- three days. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what happened today. I haven't looked at. Oh uh, yeah, just for funsies. Let's hold on. Let's close out with looking at the index. I hope to God the index is updated. So I, it is. I already checked. So both of our minor league teams are sitting at fifteen and five, which is okay. awesome. Um. Do do do. All right, so the Cancun Toros are sitting on top of. No, that nope, hasn't. This is not yet. updated. There we go. You are you okay. are no longer on top, but you are doing much better than the Rugers. Wow, what happened to you guys? Uh, we had a very rough stretch, obviously. Uh, my ERA went back to a regular level, which is a huge bummer. <laughs> regular. <laughs> Wow, good start to the season for me so far. Ah, nope, there it is. Uh, never mind. Okay. All right. Back to back to normal. Uh yeah, you guys are one game behind DVS and we're six games behind them. Okay. But I mean again, bad. only three sixteenths of the way through. So like yeah. Yeah, whatever. That makes sense. I also think that the most interesting race thus far is the race for one overall between Outer Banks and Sarasota Supernovas, who have two and three wins respectively. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty sure I bet the under on both of those teams, which oh, is good. Well. Yep, looking good, looking pretty good. But I mean, shout out to uh, Musha and the Vancouver Vandals and AJ over 500. That's fantastic. Hey, how about that? Yeah, Boise also off to a slower than I would expect start. Yeah, New York off to a pretty bad start. Yeah, eight and eleven. Man, crabs are looking great though. All the all the testing that I saw and did mm-hmm. for New York had them come out at like 62 to 67 wins at neck yep. of the woods and often winning the division. Yeah. Yeah. So same season. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, I would be in a weird way, happy for mm-hmm. divisions to not be like super predictable anymore. Right. Yep. Yeah. It'd be less TBE for me, but it'd also be less TBE for everybody else. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just fun. more fun in general. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Sarasota, I, what is their over under? Sarasota might even be like on pace, like twenty two or something. Is it that high? Yeah, okay. I also have the hiccup, so apologies to everybody. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> what? Hold on, let's see what Sarasota is. It's twenty and a half. Okay, yeah. so they're a little behind pace. Yeah, I mean, I could just update my prediction spreadsheet if we want to, like, really get the yeah. whatever. Who knows? We'll leave it at that. How's that? We shall see what happens. 
All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, everybody who bid for bidding. Thanks for mm-hmm. the three winners who won. Yep. Thanks for the grader for grading. Even though don't other don't stuff. Grade it. Not this yeah. one. <laughs> if you have, oh my gosh, if you haven't joined Boom. our Discord, join our Discord if you would like. The link is in our signatures. Yeah. And I'll also put it on this show episode. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye, go Toros. Thanks for listening. If you are not yet a member of PBE and would like to learn more, visit us online at www.probaseballexperience.jcink.net.